You're listening to PodcastJuice.net. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the Prince Podcast here on PodcastJuice.net. How are you? I hope you are fine. Joining me today, as always, Mr. Q-Storm. How are you, sir? I just want to say, if this is the Prince Podcast, you shouldn't say, uh, welcome, boys and girls. It should be girls and boys. Ah, touche. All right. <laughs> there we go. Next up, Mr. Sean Hill. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. It's a nice day here in San Diego. At some point, I got to figure out how to move my recording studio outside so I can do the show from <laughs> from outside to enjoy the uh, the fresh air. But until then, doing well. All right. And last but certainly not least, Mr. Sean. No, I'm sorry. Slap my hand. Damn. Shut up already. Okay, <laughs> let, let's get this out. We do not look alike. <laughs> Just because we're both bald and Hilarious. black doesn't mean that we look alike. Sorry about that, brothers. Uh, <laughs> but uh, let me be remiss. Mr. Aunt Pooh, how are you, sir? You know what I'm saying? You put in all that hard work for a brother, and he just he just stakes you for another brother. Man, man, man. I, I just want to point out that uh, Aunt Pooh tried to move his studio outside, but it was too many gunshots, too much noise. All right. <laughs> we love each other here. That's right, because I was, I was putting in our work, trying to take me off the block. I ain't no punk. I'm going out like Bowie. That's right, son. Like who? Oh, okay. Uh, All right. Whatever. The wire reference. We got. We got it. We got it. Yeah, yeah. But you. But you the nig and two nigs. Okay. All right. Let's stay on target. Let's stay focused. I'm doing great, sir. I had a nice, fruitful trip up to San Francisco yesterday on pause. some business. Pa- pause. <laughs> you had a fruity trip to San Francisco. <laughs> I, you walked into it, man. I yes, yes, yes. I did. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, and it was great. Oh, well, that's good. That's actually very good. Uh, hopefully that turns into something fruitful. All right. Let's uh, stay on target. So we're here at the Prince Podcast, and we have been doing our Prince March Madness song battles. It's been going on for weeks now, and we have come down to the last two, right? Uh, so I'm going to turn this yes, over to Ampu. He's going to tell us what the two songs were, and we're going to reveal what's the Number one song in our Prince March Madness. Turn it over. Well, it, well, in a shocker, we came down to the championship matchup with When Doves Cry outing, not outing, but uh, ousting. <laughs> you staying on that one. Fruity San Francisco outing. I said fruitful. Damn it. Them Freudian slips, boy, I tell you. <laughs> I'm about to turn the Huey Freeman up in here. I'm, I'm playing with y'all. I'm coming out. <laughs> uh, ousting uh, com- everyone's favorite computer blue while joining repetition, the long non-Purple Rain song in the final four beat out Let's Go Crazy. So we thought, okay, there was going to be some chicanery going on in the finals with every. Everybody trying to make make sure that Purple Rain song would win in the finals. Uh-uh. That did not happen. Well, you know, we'll thank Michael Dean for that, but that's another story. <laughs> but, but, yeah, that was on you, sir. You you put the hammer down, sir. Well, but, well explain that now you've thrown yeah, us you, out there. What are you talking about? <laughs> Well, you know, you put a lock on it. You 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 uh, restricted voting to one vote per person, oh. as well as to registered users. Because in the uh, the final in the championship, the regional finals, we had well over four hundred and fifty plus votes for each 
bad matchup. And you noted that there might have been some, uh, as we say, uh, ballot box. Yeah, some ballot stuffing going on there, which resulted in joy repetition moving on. But hey, people love the song. See, I mean, if the public want that, the public public wants it, public gets it. But anyway, in the final, we had the purple, which is which is kind of funny. And I mentioned this in the write-up. We had Purple Rain going up against its sequel, Graffiti Bridge. Which, when you think about that, considering how horrible the film and some would say the album was, we would have never thought we would get that matchup. But that's exactly what we got with When Doves Cry, a 1C, going up against Joy Repetition, a 3C. And unfortunately, it was not close. With 85% of the voting, it went to When Doves Cry. So at least for this year, as of 2015, podcastjuice.net is naming When Doves Cry as the best Prince song ever. Wow. Wow. As voted on by the fans and listeners of podcastjuice.net. There you go. Well, you know, I'll get some reactions. I'm not totally surprised. Uh, I think that When Doves Cry is one of his greater songs. Uh, it's one of his more known songs. Uh, I think a lot of people know the song, so I, it doesn't shock me at all, actually. What do you guys think? I think uh-huh. that there was, somebody has mentioned before, there's the Purple Rain. Uh, oh, dang, I can't think of the word. Uh, the tiredness of Purple Rain. People know that it's a great song. We've heard it at, at pretty much at every concert closing. And I, I think there might have been that, you know, yeah, move on. And I, I think that might be the explanation as to why that got ousted by Joy Repetition. Uh, yeah, I'm not surprised either. Um, I'm not, I mean, I, I love When Doves Cry. I wouldn't say it's his best song ever. Uh, but I, you know, definitely think it deserves to be in the in the conversation. I'm really impressed and surprised that uh, Joy Repetition didn't make it that far. It's It's been probably the top. 10 of my favorite Prince songs of all time. So just to see it getting love from other fans in the community uh, just makes it all the more special. How about you, Q? Well, uh, obviously, When Doves Cry, I would say that's not the first time I'd heard Prince, but it's the first time I heard a song and said, I I need to do my research on this cat because this is... um, the song is, it was a head buster. I, I didn't even, I remember reading something in Rolling Stone where they said that the song <clears throat> wasn't very well received by his uh, handlers because they said it didn't have a bass line in it. And I'm like, damn, it doesn't have a bass line in it. And I was like, that's proof that this is this song is a badass song because I didn't even notice that. I wasn't even missing that. Um, but the thing is, is that <clears throat> I just wonder if when people were voting, were they voting... Uh, what's the word? Uh, objectively, because as good a song as When Doves Cry is, Prince has so many songs that are less pop and less kind of, I want to say, two-dimensional. It's a beautiful song, don't get me wrong. But in his catalog, in some of the songs that we were voting on, there's so much more depth to the lyrics, to the arrangements, so on and so forth. But I'm I'm amazed that either of these songs I I, I could see when Dust Crowd being in the final four, but one of the last two, and definitely join repetition. I don't understand that at all. Well, um, here's some context. This is these are the songs that when Dust Cry would have went up against in this region. Life can be so nice, baby. I'm a star. Jungle love, love bazaar, question of you, controversy. 
When You Were Mine, Kiss, Sexy EMF, Endorphin Machine, Mountains, DMSR, Call My Night, Call My Name, I Would Die For You, If I Was Your Girlfriend. Okay, out of that list, just going my memory, I would say there were three songs that I could see advancing in just objectively over When Doves Cry. And one of them was, I'm going to say, If I Were Your Girlfriend, I'm going to say DMSR, and uh, there was a th- uh, question of you. Really? Now, I may not like those songs better than When Doves Cry, but I'm saying I'm, I was trying to vote objectively. In other words, like Purple Rain, I can't, I'm sick of that song. But it is his signature song. It's argue, I'm going to arguably say that's his Billie Jean. So for that song to have been ousted, even though I'm sick of that song, don't want to hear it again, I don't, I myself don't think that's the, that's the proper um, prerequisite or uh, whatever the word is to, to cast that song out. Well, I think uh, you know, everyone sort of fatigue, voted, voted on their own sort of ideas, I guess. You know, there wasn't any sort of instructions. <laughs> you know, it was just make your picks. So it left it open to a lot of interpretations. Uh, I think that a song, I think when you looked at those last round of songs, obviously the people who voted on them uh, obviously very well know Popa Rain and have probably strong ties to those songs for whatever reasons. And I think those one of those songs were in, that that, true. in the that position that they were, which speaks to say that I think, as we've said before, that album is probably the greatest Prince album in terms of what people know and what is his awareness. And I think you can't escape that, you know, whether from our some of our deeper fans, you know, the music may know, hey, what about this song? Yeah, those songs may be good. But again, people may not necessarily have stronger ties to those songs. Uh, those songs weren't obviously blasted as much as Purple Rain was to the, to the, to well, the populace. Well, you know, maybe- that is interesting you say that, Mike, because when you got down to the Sweet 16, which means that two rounds of voting had occurred, there were only three sign of the time songs that advanced. If I was your girlfriend, Adore, and Housequake. Yeah. Now, it could be, people could argue, well, that's probably because of the seating and the matchups in the first two rounds, but I mean, still, there wasn't a groundswell of, well, we got to make sure Forever in My Life got passed, or uh, it's going to be a beautiful night, or, or those type of songs. Well, I, I, putting putting aside the songs that were in the brackets, <clears throat> I, I guess I'm saying When Doves Cry is an excellent song. There's no doubt about that. But I guess if I'm asking you, like just the, the casual Prince fan, listen to When Doves Cry, okay, and then put in Anesthesia. I would hope that person who's just a casual Prince fan who may have fallen off of the wagon after uh, Around the World in a Day came out, I would hope something would waken up in them and say, you know what, When Doves Cry is a great song, but it's a pop song, whereas Anesthesia, that song is on some deep shit. Yeah, well, you know the answer to that question. They're going to pick When Doves Cry every time. It's, I don't even... <laughs> and, and, and unfortunately, I don't even see the cute. question, right? If it's a, it's a casual fan, they're not going to relate to Anesthesia. What I'm saying is I was a casual fan. I listened to... I think the first song I heard of Prince was Private Joy. And then uh, 1999 came out, and mm-hmm. then I, I went and got that album, uh, fell off of it. Then when uh, Purple Rain came out, it blew my head open, and I went back and researched his catalog. I'm, and I'm like, right. I mean, that's what... That's not a casual fan, though, anymore. Anymore. I'm saying I, I wish other people would not just take the surface level and do a, do a little, go a little sure. deeper with these artists. You know, sure. I, I would say, though, even though I know the extensive the catalog... Uh, 
Wind Doves Cry is a better song in the category of that it's more listenable, it's enjoyable. <laughs> the themes in Anastasia are excellent, and I like that song because when it came at the time that it came and where it was going on, yeah, it works for me. But at the end of the day, for me, I recognize that Wind Doves Cry would be something that I know more people would enjoy than Anastasia. Just the song itself, it's, it's got an energy to it, you know, the excitement of it is... It's a faster-paced song. It's an easy to understand what he's talking about in the lyrics as opposed to Anastasia. I question my head. You know, it can mean a lot of different things. And I think just for a common person, you put When Doves Cry On, they're going to relate to that immediately, to the lyrics, to the beat, to everything about it. I think the uh, I think with the casual fan, too, they hear the words, have you ever been so lonely you danced with anyone, boy or girl? They go, up. Oh. I'm Turn it off. Yeah. <laughs> well, and you know, it's funny that uh, Q mentioned uh, anesthesia in regards to when does cry, and we'll, we'll just go out on a limb and say that the people who voted in this in this tournament <clears throat> are very hardcore uh, Prince song connoisseurs. And in the first round, anesthesia went out to another level, holding your head. So, yeah, you got to have that. Yeah. See, I had a problem with that. I mean, I I, I think when again. again when I heard when I heard another love a hole in your head, I was like, "This is that joint, that that one joint on a Prince album that makes it worth the whole sixteen dollars, whatever I paid to buy." Now I'm just I'm speaking in hyperbole. I did mm-hmm. tons of good songs on Parade, but I'm just saying this was that one joint that you know, that funk, you know, that, that yeah, it was the yeah. housequake or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think that and Kiss would be those two but, songs. I'm saying what what uh what was uh what was the song that went against another love holding your head? Anesthesia. Anesthesia, right. I just think if you take then I've said this before, if you take that bass line out of another love holding your head, you don't have <sighs> But you yeah, but well, why would you take something out of the song, right? You can take, I'm just, you what can I'm, take I'm elements saying, out of a lot of songs. I'm saying is that my point is is that you can have a great song, but it might just be a two one or two dimensional song. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. Huh? And there's nothing wrong with that. Does it have to be complex? I never, anything, I never said there was anything wrong with it, but I'm just saying when you put it up against a song that comes at you at so many different levels, I just think people who fancy an artist should be able to see that. Well, but I, I mean, I, oh, go ahead, go ahead. But I, but that's just, just I think you're underselling another level holding your head just based on because you're a great appreciation for the bass line. I mean, those vocals and the lyrics are mm-hmm. great in that song as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, forget forget the rest of the music. If you just want to say the bass line, the vocals and the lyrics, Q, you're downplaying that. That's the second best thing in that song. And I think, too, another thing with music is the complexity and the amount of instruments used and the depth of lyrics really mean nothing to the person, to people when you hear music, right? In my opinion, I think music is on a level of harmonies and things that we hear. There may not be any music, any vocals or any lyrics or the lyrics could be shit, but there's a power in music where you hear it and a beat may get you or the harmony of something may get you the rhythm. You know, especially for black people, right? It's all about the rhythm and different things. And so you could take the most two-dimensional song, as you said, and it still could be a far superior song than some orchestra type shit because it just doesn't move you. doesn't, you don't feel it. And I think with a lot of Prince's stuff, the stuff that is very popular, 
is the stuff that is on the base level appeals to a person's psyche and just you you can't help but move to it right i think well a lot of black music is like that actually it's not that complex and i think that's the beauty of and we'll get into this later but some of his just you can't even question type music and then the music where he goes off into some other very complex type stuff that you can appreciate on an artistic level but i think in terms of a song and a piece of music doesn't really stand in that i, I I think uh, so. Going back to when we said you said another lover, you thought that was one of the best songs in that album that you could you pay sixteen for that. I agree with you, and I think that is the curse and the gift of what he started to do. His earlier stuff, most people you don't question that shit. Like, it's like this is this is the jam, right? But when isn't when he takes the chance to go on a different level with it. Certain people are not going to go with that because they don't want to hear that. Like that, eh, that's too much. Like he's doing some funny type shit. Though for us as fans around the world in the day, and stuff, we love that, right? That that was a great uh, counter to what he did before. So you see him grow. But to a lot of the other, I think the majority of people, they was like, nah, man, I just want to hear that good shit. I don't need to be thinking about what you're trying to have me listen to. I want to just feel good. And I think on one level, he understands that because again, <laughs> Uh, the album you mentioned Under Cherry Moon he understood that I gotta put Kiss on this shit cause if I just put this album out without this song on here it ain't going we ain't got no single ain't got nothing that people can get to so I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna make a song that has nothing to do with the rest of the album that I know will go over which was uh, Kiss right yeah it's funny you mentioned Around the World in a Day I remember when I first got the uh, got the album and you know, people of course do. I was a Prince fan; they want to hear it. As soon as I'd put the needle on and that and that whistle, whatever that that sound is, people would go frowning. What the hell is this shit? Yeah, you know, <laughs> like they 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 wouldn't win it from jump. Where where's the organ? Where's the guitar solo? You know, you know. And I'm like that. That's that album. He's done that. This is where he's at right now. So, but that's what I'm saying in terms of songs and what people are going to respond to. He has he understood. You got to still put that simpler funk whatever it is the very catchy type stuff has to be on here because otherwise i have nothing else to sell this with uh, sign of times you got to put those songs on there that work um even his newer albums he's got to have at least something on there at least in his mind that thinks it's going to go well but i just go even going back to the classic days and when he started to go left he still had to put those jams as the first singles otherwise it would it would have been over people's heads it's not to say that this stuff isn't good, but I'm just saying in terms of when people are voting for these songs, they're mostly going to respond to songs that they really easily can get into that so, make them feel well. Go ahead. So what you're saying is most of uh, most of us have a monster's ball mentality. I think music works that way. Hip hop is make, the exact same way. Make me feel good. R and B is the exact R and B works the exact same way, right? I, blues, I blues music is the exact same way. It is very two dimensional, but it is the soul and the rhythm that makes it those songs stand to this day. Whereas these super complex songs are songs that are not into the psyche of the people. You can pull Motown stuff; people still play those songs today because they are very simple and easy to get into. You understand what they are, and they're feel good songs. That's why those songs will stand the test of time. Yeah, I, I don't know if I agree with you that. A song that um, I can't remember the wording you used, but I got them. Whatever the impression I got, what you just said was that you know a song that can't it, it can either be um, confectionary or and it can't be deep. No, I didn't I say that. I'm saying that songs 
for I'm talking about for me, rhythm and things are what work, which is why to me, um, when you break down a lot of the classic stuff, usually comes from church hymns and, and church songs. We don't really have deep lyrics, but they're all based on rhythm and the tone. Right. And I think a lot of early rock and roll and the blues come from that, which R&B comes from as well. And I think once you move super away from that, you get into things like what Prince was doing, which is excellent stuff. But he would never get there with not the core parts. And I think the songs of his that work harken back to those core elements and they don't go too far crazy and they keep the rhythm and they keep the soul of the song. And instead of having these wild like life could be so nice. I love that song. But I know for most people that will sound like some mess because it just doesn't have a what's what's the rhythm of that? What's the you know, what I mean, like what's the soul of that song? What you so much associate with Prince, at least a casual type of fan, right? Right, yeah. I mean, you know, that's my standard song right there. So I, I agree with you hundred percent on that. But you got you remember too, like when when Raspberry Beret got the single. I mean, that didn't sound like anything, you know, like Purple Rain, but it was still accessible. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It, mm-hmm. it, it was still, you know, that pop confection stuff. Although. <laughs> It's very pop. It's very catchy. What was that? Yeah. Hold on. What song was that? It's Raspberry Beret. The, the rhythm of Raspberry Beret, Beret huh? is very catchy. I didn't the, hear the lyric correct. of it. Okay. All right. So, but anyway, go ahead. If you... <clears throat> no, that was that was it. It was just just how that that particular sound, you know, again was was so far removed from the Purple Rain sound, but yet it was still accessible. You know to the masses, you know, and I, and I think that I'm, you know, surprised that it's, that it was a hit, but again, at the same time, not surprised because and that was at the stage where, you know, he could do no wrong, you know, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, like even pop life, that would have been a huge hit if it had been released properly. Right. Like that, to me, that song speaks to what most people would have said. That would have been the hit of the album. If that would have been the single, like there'd have been no that question. Was the third single, right? I think, was it? Yeah, I guess it was. How was it? We'll get into this next week, but how was it not Temptation? Yeah, I don't uh, see that being that a single. Not been, no. no. Oh, <laughs> I like that you said that, though. <laughs> and, then, and then Paisley Park in, over in, uh, overseas was, was, I think, the second single, I think. Yes, yep. That was actually, that was a song that um, when I first got went to the to the tape store or to the record store and got that album. That was a song that drew me in. Interesting. I love You know what? Why? Because it reminded me of like, you know what? This sounds like some of that classic like Beatles shit or some of that classic rock that I'm supposed to know about. And it just made me interested to hear more, mm-hmm. more stuff like that. All right. All right. So uh, I guess the winner was When Doves Cry. Can I just say one thing? I honestly... To my heart, I believe that if Prince were to see that result, he would be very disappointed. Mm, I, I think I think he would feel like, "Wow, I'm I'm happy for the success I made crafting that pop album." But damn, I've I've gone so much deeper than that. Is that where y'all killed? Is that still where y'all want to put me? Not from his but, tours. He don't seem like he'd be depressed. Yeah, <laughs> remember, what talking, what he told, he, remember what he told? Remember what he told Andre Three Thousand? Give him the hits. 
but what? that doesn't mean he. Sean, might. don't you have the set list for the show? Yeah, yeah I put it up. I put God. it in the, the chat. And on top of that, it squared off against a non-single from what many would say is one of his worst albums. I understand. I'm. I'm not saying. I'm saying we got to that point. I agree. I'm just saying. Even so, I think I know he has to perform all the hits to get people in the seats. I know he's going to give that advice. That doesn't mean he wishes it didn't have to be so. Be that way. I, I disagree with you, but I can see why you say that. I think he loves all those songs personally. I put it, okay. I put it to you like this. I, I I'll admit I've only seen Prince in concert. I'm not going to see him try to get, let's say four times, which for me, that's a lot of times to see one, one artist. Okay. Really? He never performed when doves cry any of those times. Cause he can't really do it good with live. But has he ever performed it live? Of course. Yeah. And it's, okay. and it's only been done live good one time. That was during the, uh, the love sexy tour uh, to me, well, to me. That's purple rainbow. Uh, <laughs> and I was at the new tour. Yeah, that's cool. The new tour was a, was uh he played the album. Which album? No, he, no, I mean he played the uh he played the instrumental from the from the album. No, he That wasn't live. Yes it was. Yeah, it was. Okay, I okay, I didn't it was a drum machine. That. It was live. I I just listened to it the other day actually. Hmm. Spanish uh, bootleg. I have my doubts. I have my doubts. Oh, wait, let me let me go back. How, how many times have each of you seen him in concert? Okay. Uh I think 12. I wow. Think. Okay. I, hey, hey, stop. Stop. <laughs> I'm going to go have my seat on the far yeah, end of the bus. <laughs> <laughs> I, right. I, I, I might, I might be over. I might, I might be over. I know, I, I'm pretty sure I'm in double digits, though. I, I could yeah, try to remember. Floss. Floss. Now no. you want to floss. Well, well, let's see. 1999. You don't have to count, sir. You don't have to count. Yeah, we, you got, you, okay. we got it. Okay. I mean, I'm probably right there with them, so I, you know. Ah, uh, look at you. No, I'm, Mr. Me Too. He goes, the guy tours every year for the most part. So I've seen him probably every couple years. All right, David, I know I'm behind. Okay, you ain't got to rub it in my face. Like, it's not a rub in the face thing. But anyway. I, mean, I, I saw the Jam of the Year tour three times in Atlanta, and right. then I saw the opening of uh, the residency in, in Vegas, so. All right. Well, there it is. When doves cry, we'll have to get it next year. We'll see what happens. You know, Um, wanted to get into a quick conversation about the Minneapolis sound and and what it is and and, uh, where it went and all that good stuff. So when I'm talking about the Minneapolis sound, I'm talking about, you know, in terms of Prince records, anything from Dirty Mind. And beyond, you know, and I think the core Minneapolis years for Prince, in my opinion, would be from Dirty Mind uh, all the way to, you know, the real Minneapolis sound for me. It would be a 1999 album. Uh, that to me is that style, the synth- <clears throat> synthesizers, the drum machine, like the Lynn drum. The, the, you know, the clap, the, the, that snare clap from the Lynn drum, that whole style the time first time album the second time album uh, I go ahead I was gonna say I have two if, if anybody ever asked me what the Minneapolis sound is I have two examples that I always point to uh, the opening of Nasty Girl like the first maybe mm-hmm, minute mm-hmm. minute and uh, the opening of uh, Love Bazaar hmm interesting Love Bazaar I, I think that 
just the you know everything that beat that that then when the horns come in and of course at that point he was using the horns a little bit more but just that opening you know beat synthesizer um Lynn Lynn pattern he's got there I think those for me those are the two quintessential uh Minneapolis sounds that, that I give people examples like what does that sound that that's what it sounds like to me okay. well, I would you know I would throw a song too Lady Cab Driver to me is just like a, the epitome of that Lady Cab Driver and probably seven seven nine three eleven you know you have to have that to me the, the, the chicken guitar is such a central part to it but but uh, Q what were you gonna say no, actually, you ju- I was going to say something, um, and you cut me off, as you typically do. But, uh, you- <laughs> but, but I'm glad you did, because you, you brought up a good point uh, when you said 777 because typically when I think of the Minneapolis sound, um, I think of like the tracks off of 94 East, uh, <clears throat> the first two albums. But for me— First two when- Prince albums? I'm gonna say that. I mean, maybe I should hold off on that, but let me let me take that back. But to me, if someone said, "What's the Minneapolis sound?" I would play uh, "Dirty Mind" for them. And uh, I also think my my friends in college, we would always talk about the Minneapolis sound, and we would make fun of uh, Jesse Johnson. Although he had the album, uh, what was his first uh, Jesse Johnson's review, mm-hmm. which was a banging ass album. We would always. Mm-hmm. We would always clown him for like, I want to be your man. He called for horns. You hear keyboards come in the background. <laughs> to me, it's just a very heavy keyboard, a funky keyboard with a, uh, like one keyboard is playing just the melody line and then another keyboard is riffing over that melody. Um, but I also hear, and I think you got, some of you guys have said it like when we, I know years ago, here's the uh, Prince Podcast archivist talking again. We were talking about control. Mm-hmm. Janet Jackson. That was probably three years ago, and you all were saying that that had the Minneapolis sound. I just didn't hear it really. I think it has elements of it, a lot of elements in it. Some of them songs. It's, it's the bridge from the Minneapolis sound to the Jam and Lewis sound. It's kind of a little bit of both. Yeah, I would say Jam and Lewis. They put a lot of Minneapolis style song styling songs in Janet's that first album and the second album. Though they make, you know they have New Jack in that too, but. Particularly that first album, and even Prince's Prince even playfully, you know, questions um, what have you done for me in some of his concerts? Like, who wrote that? Who wrote that? <laughs> yeah, know, that's kind of my style. And you can hear it; it sort of sounds very similar. Yeah, to contra- I can, controversy. Yeah, I mean, you can what have you done for me lately? I could, I could, I can hear that. But like the song "Control" itself, I, I, I think we got into a whole conversation about how that's a Minneapolis sound. I didn't really hear it there. I, I heard like a different, totally different drum pattern. It was a, the drum pattern was kind of. Like on those little fills, it's kind of like even offbeat a little bit, and but um, yeah. I, I but I think with the synth fills, those horns like Jesse was using, and even Prince, you know, was using the horns for synths uh, in his earlier stuff. I think that's the sound that most people can point to to say mm-hmm. that's kind of the Minneapolis sound. Yeah, listening to uh, Rhythm Nation and parts of Control, that sounds like uh, Jill Jones's album. I'm not gonna even lie, like uh, it sounds like a Prince produced. Female album. Well, yeah, it's not like nasty or something. You know, to me that fits in there. I'm trying to think. Oh, you know, another I, song I think of is Affection. As oh, I yeah, think. that's Minneapolis all the way. Well, I, I'm glad you, you brought Jesse into this uh, because to me, there was a point when Prince abandoned Minneapolis sound, which, oh, yeah. in my opinion, honestly, for me, uh, around the world in the day <laughs> sort of signaled that. 
you know, moving away from that period. And I think that Jesse Johnson, in my opinion, was the guy who said, well, I'm going to take this and take control of the sound because that first album that he dropped pure, as Q said, pure Minneapolis sound to me, the second album pure. <laughs> I mean, he, he took the ball with that and ran with it. You say Shaka Delica was Minneapolis sound. A lot of those songs are. Yeah. Yeah. yeah very was. much. Like he, he took that sound and perfected it to me. In my opinion, uh, you know, aside from other people that were outside the camp, like Ready for the World, obviously they had a lot of their songs had that style as well. They did yeah, very yeah. well. Yeah, you're right. What, you're right. What's, uh, what was Free World the, the B-side of? Did anybody know the top of their head? Oh, uh, I'm with your man, I think. I just love the lyric, the opening lyric. Nobody likes the way I hold my mic. They say it's much too much, much mm-hmm. too much, like my friend or something like that. Yeah, like I wonder what uh, friend he's know, talking about. <laughs> oh. You know what? Now, see, me and my friends in college, we would get into fights. We would <laughs> hands about which song was stolen from who, mm-hmm. the Rock City or Free World. <laughs> wow. But well, Free World is almost like Erotic City. That's my point. But I mean, those two songs, fucking you put the, you put that shit on in a party, it's over. Yeah. Well, that's I'm, that free world when that came out. Who I'm like, who the fuck is this? <laughs> Jesse Johnson. What? <laughs> to me, that was his get off. That was him doing get off because all his stuff. The thing about Jesse Johnson, he has some great grooves, but his I just he, his songs all had like a cut and paste feel to them. Okay, I got a verse, got a verse, chorus, verse, chorus, then just vamp out. When he put that song out, I was like, holy shit. So yeah, I, I was a heavy, oh, I am. A, I was a heavy Jesse fan back then. Um, actually, I didn't get heavy to the second album. Then I went back and got the first one and really, really listened to it. But you're right. There was, that was the conversation on the bus and different things. Who was better, Jesse or Prince? And I remember, I wish I had it in front of me. There was an interview, I think it was right on magazine. Jesse was kind of going at Prince a little bit, and they was asking him about. Uh, I think this was when it was either Parade had, was out or was after uh, Around the World that day. And, and Jesse was like, I don't know. He was saying like, I don't know what the hell Prince is doing, like musically. He's playing that, you know, that crazy stuff. You know, he's not doing you know the stuff that we all used to do. Like he's you know, and he was kind of saying like his new music is just so out there, like it ain't really. You know, I don't know what the hell that is. And he I could, should have right. kept his, he shouldn't have well, said that. In hindsight, yeah, but I, I could understand what he meant in that time because that sound was so popular, right? Like, it was the sound of the time right then. Uh, and the guy who created it, because he's going on some other stuff, he said, fuck it, y'all can have this. I'm going to go do something else, which was smart. Then again, I don't know. Sometimes I wonder, was it smart? <laughs> but. The Minneapolis sound, I think Jesse Johnson really took that and went hard. And it's interesting that um, obviously Prince recognized that because uh, what's the Seven Minutes Mo Quake, you know, the B-side, yeah. the, the, the remix to House Quake. He even plays a Crazy. sample of Crazy, Jesse yep. Johnson's song in that song, which I always thought was really cool. So, and we, yeah, and- and Prince did him, Prince really. I see. That's the thing about Prince. That's why we kind of got into it about that fan who was complaining on uh, about the Prince concert. I don't know. I, maybe she was in the wrong. But Prince, he he dogged Jesse out with the whole Shaka Delica thing. I don't. Why does he treat people like that? 
Well, you gotta, you got you. If you name your album "Shock Delica," come on, you gotta have us. That's a great, that's a great word. You gotta have a song called "Shock Delic on the album. Yeah, I don't, but I, it, I don't see nothing wrong with it personally. I mean, hold on, hold on, let, me, let me be clear about what I'm saying. You're saying you didn't see anything wrong with uh, Prince taking his man's concept, writing a song about it, putting concept. it out in advance of his album coming out called Shockadelica? Well, for one, well, sh- the Shockadelica B-side was not a hit. So It wasn't played to nobody else but Prince fans, probably. I don't see how it affected Jesse's album, second album. He had, he had a hit well, song, and- Crazy, and then he had a second hit song, Might. Baby Let's Kiss. Might. This album was hitting. Mike. Yes. I've known you for damn near, damn, seven years now. Mm-hmm. So you give, let's say you 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 share with me an idea, right. or somehow I get I get wind of an idea of yours. Mm-hmm. I take it and run with it. Yeah, kind of like do yourself a favor. But go ahead. Okay, and, and nothing happens with it. Even though nothing happens with it, ain't, aren't you going to look at me with a side eye like, damn, dude? What, what, well, why would like you? Like I just to- said, if you just previously took my idea and put it as a song on the said album. And you don't have no problem with that. Why would you have a problem with me having a song that has the same title as one of your as your album? Say what now? So I'm gonna need you to do some history. <laughs> <laughs> you said somebody do yourself a favor. I don't know the exact. I know that. Right, uh, I'll explain Prince, it. Prince wrote it, I think, and then Jesse Johnson put it on his album, right? Right. Now, would that would would I don't? But I don't know. Did Jesse Johnson do that uh, against Prince's wishes? Again, do we know if Prince did Shakadelica against his wishes? Are yes, you? because I read in uh, was it Dez's Dez's book or one of the books I read that yeah he he uh, Jesse was a little little salty about that. No, I said he was salty, but it was it against his wishes. Well, if he was upset, I would assume it was because it was against his wishes. So, assuming, so again, well, really, let, let, let's go back to what I really? what I brought up. Right, really. So the song "Do Yourself a Favor." Jesse Johnson is on record saying that he took Prince's tape of that song that he got from John McClane, right, famous executive A&M and he took that tape off his desk and made his song based off of that which is an exact copy of it right I mean mm-hmm. that's a jack we would call somebody biting but if, if they I'm did that he and, did that in response cause that, no because it's on, it was on the album I understand but what I'm saying Mike is that because Prince dogged Jesse out Jesse's like fuck you I'm gonna I'm do the same thing to you well uh, do you serve a favor was 85 on the first album, Shockadelica was '86, and the B-side to "If I Was Your Girlfriend" was Shockadelica, and that was until '87. Right. So, so it, it's not. It didn't. <laughs> wasn't after. The, it was already out. Right. So I'm just saying, Jesse has no problem, and that's my dude. Jesse had no problem jacking one of Prince's remixes and putting it out as his own on his record, and then Prince later said, "Hey man, I'm gonna make a song." That's called the same as your album. Put it on my shit. I, I don't see the problem with that. <laughs> if the one dude started and another dude finished it, I don't think either one of the songs hurt either one of them. Wow. I don't okay, see man. the problem. You don't see the problem. I, well, again, me, do you have a problem with what Jesse did originally? Hold on. Hold on. See, to me, it may not be exactly apples and apples, but I remember listening to the podcast where you said Prince was wrong for taking that young girl away from uh, whatever the label was she huh? was supposed to be recording on and. You saw a problem with that. That's jacking too. I don't. So I don't see how. Right. So now let's stay on what we were talking about. Oh, okay. Because they're not related. Okay. Right. So are you gonna answer the question? What was the question, sir? <laughs> to your original question, you asked. You, you said that you felt you got that the answer sway. Right. You said you felt that like it was wrong 
for Jesse to do that. I'm 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 pointing out to you that for Jesse, Jesse to do that. I'm I'm pointing out to you that Jesse actually jacked the song first and put it on this album that you're bringing up. So I'm asking you, do you have a problem with what Jesse did originally? I if if Prince had if Prince did not give his okay for Jesse to do that, yeah, I do have a problem with that. Okay, well then there you go. But I would say <laughs> the Bible says, or this the Bible oh, says, boy. two wrongs don't make a right. But okay. we're talking about Prince Rogers Nelson here. So, <laughs> so sometimes they do with that guy. But um, go ahead, go ahead. Keep now I was going to say, just want to mention real quick: if if our listeners have not heard uh, "Bear My Naked Soul" and "Verbal Penetration," uh, do yourself a favor and seek those out. Yeah. Is that the uh, verbal penetration? That's the one that's got um, "Slave to Our Freedom" on it. Yes. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a good album. I actually don't like the album personally. Wow. I like some of the songs in the album. Wow. But the whole thing, I, it's, it's a little much. it's yeah. a little uh, segue segu heavy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, the one thing I don't like about the album is Jesse. I, I mean, I know you're trying. I know what you're trying to do, but your falsetto is not. You're not. Uh, you're not Maxwell or D'Angelo. You're not Prince. Just keep it in your yeah, barracks. That's why, that's why I said keep I it in like your tenor, bro. Keep it in the tenor. <laughs> He's got some great music on there, though. Don't get me wrong, but he could have been yeah. edited down to one album. That's my opinion. Yeah, I mean, it's got too many interludes and radio stuff and this and that and uh, just yeah. And I blame I blame Jimmy and Terry for all that. Why? I mean, I well, why. Uh, because Rhythm Nation, remember Rhythm Nation, each song had an intro. Yeah, that's true. But it worked there. Well, yeah. But then it got then it got tired because then they did it again on uh, on the Janet album. I'm like, come on, just 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 play the songs. <laughs> um, but you know, the Minneapolis sound. So, what do you guys think about the the legacy of that sound? You know, there's a lot of different sounds that have been in. In black music, right? There's Motown, um, there's uh, disco, Minneapolis, you know, New Jack Swing, uh, hip hop, uh, funk, and a lot of times we see these styles come back, or at least they'll have their little trendy parts where things would be co-opted for newer stuff. And we've seen that heavy with James Brown's music, Parliament Funkadelic within hip hop, uh, hip hop sort of being incorporated more into R&B with New Jack Swing. But have we really seen yet uh, a strong sort of reach back to the Minneapolis sound uh, in in some of our more contemporary stuff? I would, I could say maybe some of Timberland's things sort of reminds me a little bit drum things sometimes. I guess I'm going to say the obvious. I mean, maybe not, maybe to me, but a little, uh, just to, just to, pinch of it in uptown funk mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah 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 i think out of all of the, the the genres you named i think it's it's interesting and telling that really only two are really associated with with one person you got the minneapolis sound which is of course associated totally with prince and then new jack swing although others incorporate it it's more associated with teddy riley than anybody else I think that's the the only two kind of music movements that have that uh, have that. Yeah, yeah, I can see what you're saying. Yeah, but as far as it 
coming back or, I, you know, I think, you know, everyone still wants that, you know, kind of harkens back to that sound. So, yeah, I, you know, I, I think it's legacy is, is, is fermented, if that's a word, uh, in, in music history. You know, what's interesting is what was going on at the same time as Minneapolis funk was hitting. You know, the other funk or R&B that was popular, I remember, too, was the electro funk, right? Uh, things like Zap, uh, the cameo records at that time. Um, and we've seen, obviously, you see the lineage uh, of Roger Troutman uh, to this day, right? There's a lot of contemporary songs in the last 20 years, 10 years, that are directly lifted from Roger's stuff. And you even hear uh, some of the electro-funk stuff of a Bootsy. You still hear that. You hear his rhythms in a lot of stuff today, which is very interesting to me. You know, I would rather... Was a, I want to be with you. People still sing those rhythms in their songs. And I'm curious. I'm, I really, I, I feel like I don't hear enough of Prince's stuff sometimes today. And I wonder is because it was so different that it's hard to put that into music sometimes. Because you don't really hear a lot of direct sort of Pulls from Prince's sort of book and music. I'm trying to remember in the 90s there was a group that they sampled uh, Do Me Baby. Was it Motif or something like that? Does anybody remember that? Oh, I know. Oh. I, I know. Uh, it, it wasn't Silk. It was... Um, it's a girl group. Uh, Jade. Jade. Mm, was it Jade? Yeah. There was a, there was a, a male R&B group that, that, uh, re- that covered that song. Oh, okay. Wow. I, I can... Uh, I can it is Jade the, uh, because... I was gonna say I have that CD. It's called Jade. It's a live album. It's called Jade to the Max, and hmm. that they do that. They do. I don't know if it was on the studio album, but it's on that album. Yeah, there was a song. There's, there's a there was a single by a girl group that put it out. But but you know, so that's you. You hear. It's interesting that you would hear. That's a very R and B ish type of song. Do me, baby, right? Sort of based on the sort of chorus structures. But uh, it's interesting that. Um, when you get to some of his, uh, I'm trying to remember. Well, I, you do hear a lot of the time, and at least in a lot of like West Coast hip hop, I've heard people really, you know, sample the time or try. Even Snoop didn't Snoop do a it, yeah, cover he covered cool. cool, yeah, which is actually pretty good. I actually like it. Yeah. And somebody um, else did another one. Was it somebody else did one of the other Morris Day stuff? But anyway, go ahead. Go ahead. Could it could it be though, Mike, that uh, that Prince is so rare to uh, grant sample requests? Is that maybe why his music isn't really out there as, as much as uh, other artists? Uh, in terms of sampling, possibly, but even if it's not the sampling part, just I mean, you, anyone you don't need his permission to well <laughs> incorporate his music into it. You just got to give him credit. Right. I was gonna say, ask ask Robin, think about that. <laughs> yeah, I think people are going to be more or less apt to uh, to do that now these days. <laughs> I don't, I'll, as long as you pay well, the person, yeah. no, I know, I got. It. <laughs> but I mean, he's notorious for not even you know not granting samples. So you you, you think they're gonna do actually replay it? You still think he would give permission to do that? Well, he doesn't. He, his permission is not necessary. <laughs> Right, like he doesn't genuinely didn't need his permission to do. What do you do? Wind does cry. Which Wind does cry. Yeah, yeah, it's but. terrible. I've got, I've never heard that. I'm I'm wondering if I want to hear it. No. <laughs> Stick Jane with the ver- 
Genuine doesn't yeah, have a bad Genuine point. version was horrible. No, no, it was Tim Timberland's, It was Timbaland's construction of the beat that was horrible. Yeah, the only, yeah. Now, the the version that's on uh, that's in Romeo and Juliet the movie that's pretty good, but there's not too many hmm. Prince covers that I like. Yeah, so you know, uh, but the Minneapolis sound again, as you said, is so tied to Prince, and it's one of the sounds that I personally, well, obviously he's put out records in recent years that you know is supposed to pay homage almost to that style but uh, i don't know what well, i know, wish he not... i wish he never stopped putting that style on his records you know another thing too um is this is kind of going along the lines of samples being music being licensed for for uh, movies and tv because you you really don't hear a lot of prince music in uh I, I think the last prince song i heard in a movie was uh i want to be a lover in um uh, which uh, is it? Are you there yet? I think, or are we there yet? The one with uh, Ice Cube and Nia uh, Long. I think right. the movie opens with that song. Uh, but for the well, and there was that one kids movie that they was it with the penguins or something. Oh God, yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm listening to this. Uh, I'm listening to it on YouTube. Uh, yeah, Genuine should have been put down for that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, the, the mix is, is bad. It, is I don't it, know if it's because I'm listening to it on my computer speaker. The mix is horrible. He sounds like he's mumbling as well. It's slower. There's no coincidence his uh, career fell off after that. Well, that was his first album. Well, it fell off. There you go. <laughs> is this, uh, is this, yeah, the, album that, uh, this the album that, uh, was that, Pony? Is that yeah, on this? That's the yeah, that's the same album. Yeah. Wow, yeah, this is why it fell off. This is what it sounds nah, like. Fell nah, off. nah, nah. This last <laughs> album had hits on it. Uh, let me yeah, that's true. You did have album. the ratchet anthem with so anxious. Oh, they swear about that. Them jeans? That's my joke. Is there any room for me in them jeans? Okay. <laughs> Shout out to Junior. Our brother needs all the love we can give him. <laughs> He's going through it right now. All right. Um, well, any other so, uh, Minneapolis sounds, man? What's your favorite Minneapolis sounding song? I think I just named them, but also I want to DMSR too. I would add yes, that to the yes. to the mix. But those but, those three, I think, Nasty Girl, at least you know, again the opening part, Love Bazaar, and, and DMSR, I think again are the epitome of the Minneapolis sound. Ah, you know what? Um, I, uh, DMSR is a contender, but man, if, if now Computer Blue, you would say that does not have the Minneapolis sound, right? I would say not. Okay, I would agree. So I'm going to go with it's got to come down to either DMSR or. Um, uh, glamorous life for me. Whoa. I'm going to go with a non Prince song and say Escapade. That is completely Jimmy yeah. Jam and Terry Lewis yeah. aping Prince sound. Yeah. See, I don't. No, yep. Listen. I agree. Escapade. I don't see it. I don't hear it, that. It, it, the they, drum beats, the, the synthesizer. It is very Minneapolis. She even says Minneapolis yeah. in the yes. song. Yes. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. You're right. You're right. <laughs> I had, it took me to like 2002 to realize why the hell she was shouting out Minneapolis. <laughs> yeah, I, I, my picks would be some DMSR, The Walk, seven seven nine three eleven, and if I had to pick somebody else, I would say um, what's the first song on that first uh, Jesse Johnson album? I want to be, be your man. man. Yeah, be your man. Boom, boom. Yeah, that. <laughs> 
Oh, oh, I just thought of another one. Sugar Walls. Nah, come that, on. That is, the mini, that is the Minneapolis sound. It is the Minneapolis sound, but I, I don't think... The only problem I have with that song is they don't... They didn't use his instrumentation, but it is very much in Minneapolis. I agree with you. Yeah. To me, that sounds like that sounds like he's that sounds like he's trying to uh, mimic a stereotypical Asian type of sound. <laughs> you know what? That that what, what you just did. That did it. Actually, all the great Minneapolis songs have that exact same style of you know horn thing. That little synth. When Doves Cry has it, all of his great songs sort of have that. A lot of the times, oh, Terrence Finn Darby one, Wishing Well. That kind of has it a little bit in it, right? The, the thing, yep. but a lot of that Minneapolis, yeah. he does have that same little melodic sort but of thing. But that's not Minneapolis sound, though. No. Okay, all right. But, he, I mean, he, I guess he's just saying that little that little rhythm there, but... I know I had I had to let Trent, uh, Terrence Trent Darby look if I talk here Terrence Trent Darby go when he said he he's better than Prince I'm like all right bro peace <laughs> here's, here's two millennium song two new millennium songs that I feel ape the uh, ape the Minneapolis song one Justin Timberlake's Until the End of Time I don't know if you heard it and Sierra's Promise that is so Prince right there oh you know what was that the one produced by Dream. Uh, let me take a look at that. You just brought to my attention. He does have a, his drums are very Minneapolis style. Yeah, that's part of the reason why I like some of his stuff. Yes, yeah, so until the end of time is the beautiful ones all over again. Um, this is, um, unless he's going, unless he, uh, it doesn't give his uh, stage name. It's possible. What's the name? Production, production, uh, Pala de Don. No, that's a different dude. Yeah, so, but, but yeah, yeah that's that exactly by Sierra. Yeah. That, is, that is Prince. There, you know what you you just brought to my mind. There are a couple of cats that do go heavy on that drum style, uh, and that that dude in the Dream is one of some of his other songs are very much have that same sort of drum programming style, Minneapolis kind of sound. So now that uh, I want a Pharrell shaking in his boots now over. Um... Uh, what's the song? Um, Front. So see, he said that he was trying to get a, get a kiss sound for that. Uh, I don't hear it in it. Yeah, I don't, yeah. If he was, he failed. But I mean, it's not a bad song, not not in the least bit. But yeah, he definitely failed trying to do kiss. Because he he has said that he he wrote that song with Prince in mind. But you know, of course, Prince would never do it. But love love whatever uh, love would never do without you is another mm-hmm. good one. Jamming, I don't hear it, but yeah, they, they only seem to have gotten the Minneapolis song right with Janet because even when they, when they did Mary J. Blige, I didn't hear it. I'm, well, okay, when they did Morris's stuff, that was pure yeah. Minneapolis. Uh, Fishnet, Fishnet, love's not a game. Yeah. Uh, we yes. have uh, Big Sexy in the house. Are you there, sir? I am here. I had lunch with the uh, the DA or breakfast with the DA and just got back in. Did you beat the rat? <laughs> Ah, uh, yes. Simple humor from a simple man. It's <laughs> the simple things in life, sir. <laughs> I was going to say, is, do we know, is Fishnet still in the set list? Uh, On Morris Day in the Time? Yeah. No. Yeah. Well, well, let me qualify. Last time I saw them last year, no. Well, it's not like they have a lot to choose from. <laughs> they are, they, I think they're playing here this weekend. It's not a thing about it. Anyway. 
Um, so we were talking about Minneapolis Sound, uh, Big Sexy. What, what, what's like your favorite Minneapolis soundtrack by anybody, Prince or anybody? You know, honestly, I can't really think of anybody non-Prince related other than, I guess, Soul Asylum because Michael Bland is with them and they're a part of it, but I wouldn't say anything they do stand out to me. I like um, I like some of the things that like um, Donnie Simpson turned us on to a group called The Crash. They had a Minneapolis vibe to it. Produced by Jesse. See? And again, Jesse's stuff. I love Jesse's stuff. Um, I like some of Brown Mark's stuff, but it, it peaked quickly and, and dissipated very fast. Um, I like St. Paul's first album, but that was really more an L.A. sound than a Minneapolis sound. Mm-hmm. And Like, is a particular song by anybody, even even Prince, that to you was the Minneapolis song to you? That sound. Let's work. Okay. I think I think we'd be remiss if he didn't name the perfection of Minneapolis sound that is Little Red Corvette. See, I don't necessarily associate that with that, but that's just me. I agree. I think a lot of it for me, the Minneapolis sound is when Prince started to use keyboards instead of the actual horns. Mm-hmm. And so yep, what the, what the, the synth line from Let's Work is clearly horn driven. And I like that when it goes, da, da. there it is. Yeah, okay. Well, if that being the case, yeah, I think it would be Let's Work. Then. Yeah. Speaking, did y'all see, uh, was it, is it Brown Mart that posted him playing that? Yes. Yep. Yes. Yep. He got the album wrong, but that's another thing. <laughs> <laughs> is there a link for that? Jack and Pass Uh No, it's on Facebook. If, you, if you're friends. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm not. I'm not well, look up Mar- Brown Mark on YouTube. He he's, he posted it himself. And if he knows me, he probably won't add me as a friend. <laughs> Damn, you just having right. a bad day, man. What's your problem? <laughs> no, no, because I keep saying that I, I, I don't feel it for Brown Mark. I'm more of a Levi Caesar <laughs> guy. Well, you're not ripping him publicly like I've done Tony M. So you know he's not going to give you too much. Shout static. out to Tony. You know Tony's doing his thing, but right, you know right. I have been critical of Tony in the past. All right. Well, I think we're going to wrap this up uh, again. Minneapolis Sound. Leave us your best Minneapolis song, whoever it may be. We're just very curious. I, I love that song. Oh, the last question I wanted to ask before you on this. Do you guys think that he should have abandoned that style? Like, should he have kept kind of going, putting that down his records, do you think? Or? Uh, no, I don't think so. I don't think it's a question of abandonment of a style. I think it's a question of, you know, people's styles evolve. Yeah. You know, the only person or the only group that I can think of off the top of my head that really hasn't evolved their, or changed their sound is ACDC. You know, if you heard something from the earliest stuff to something right now, it's the same fucking, th- you know, same fucking thing. Lenny Kravitz. Lenny Kravitz as well. Lenny Kravitz has not changed his style since Let Love Rule. It is the exact same style. It works, but it's the exact same style. I think Roger Zap. Oh yeah. Who who come from the same era as the Minneapolis sound? Their, their sound is very distinctive, but I think that's why their legacy is so strong as well. Well, if you've ever heard in their in their, their post Roger stuff, woo. <laughs> I have garbage. <laughs> Zap four, I think it's one of them's called. It's terrible. Mm. You know, but uh, I, I just think like 
like right. the Isaac Hayes stuff in the in the eighties or the Barry White in the eighties or you know it just it's just horrible. Even some of Stevie's stuff. I don't know that may be blasphemy, but uh, even some of Stevie's stuff in the eighties. Can't deal with you on that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm sorry, I, I was distracted. What are you saying about Stevie now? Uh-oh. Uh oh, <laughs> yeah, I can't ride yeah, with you on that. What'd you say? What, what'd you say? I just said some of Stevie's stuff in the eighties musically was not up to par with his stuff in the seventies. I was comparing that to some of the post Roger stuff okay. on for Zap. I, I can understand that. I would say the same about Prince. I mean, how can the same guy who wrote um, Superstition write? I just called to say I love you. It's, I got I got a co sign. Well, I love that. Song. <laughs> I, I, but, but, okay. Brilliant song to me, but I, I, <laughs> that song. Hold on. There are there are some bangers on the other uh, other track that are banging on that album, though. Okay, but I'm just speaking of what that one particular song. To say I love you. I, how are you hating on that? Come on, man. Because uh, I, I, I am. Uh, that's uh, pandering. That I love song, it. I don't care what it's it. syrup with an extra plate of syrup. I love it. I love that, it. Song, <laughs> that song and For Your Love on the is it Conversation Piece album? Garbage. <laughs> I'll take it. I know it. I love it. <laughs> Well, I, I mean, again, say, I agree with you, though. I can understand what you're saying, though. But. I just call to say I love you is something that was written by a 12-year-old in a karaoke contest. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I can't diss on Stevie yep. like that, but I hear you. <laughs> At the same time, though, like I said, you can say that about all great artists. Yeah. This no, stuff changed. Uh, James Brown, I, you know. Well, sometimes they want to get paid, you know, yeah. get that you know, top 40 money and, you know, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. And that was a soundtrack song too, so you know he he might get a minor pass on that. Ebony and ivory. Did he write that though? Or is that I don't Paul? know. That's, that's Paul McCartney. He wrote that. Still love it. It's ridiculous. It's they, not as bad as uh, they. They should release that today. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> <laughs> I can see. I can see brothers across the country. The fuck is this? <laughs> They could get, uh, I don't know, uh, Chris Brown and uh, no, 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 Justin Timberlake it. or something. And, or, just, or, no, uh, Justin Bieber. Justin Bieber and Usher could do that song. It was the, uh, this was kind of the tiny throat. is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> was this, and this was the tiny little Afro curl uh, phase of Stevie, right? Hilarious. <laughs> oh, serious? I'm asking a question. The... Isn't that what he was wearing in the I video? Know. I can't remember. I don't know. I don't remember. Who's a, somebody's on YouTube. Kind of going a little deep there. Hey, but you brought up just. I know this is off topic, but you brought up Justin Bieber and Usher. Probably the funniest joke in that Justin Bieber roast. I can't remember who told it. I think it was Jeff Ross, but he said, uh, Justin Bieber is like a movie ticket. No, what did he say? Justin, Justin Bieber's ass is like a movie ticket. Because it was ripped apart by an usher. <laughs> Hilarious. Oh, damn! Yeah, they lit hey, him up for right, that. Son. He had that many afro. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we we got off topic and got on Justin Bieber. That's what we always do. <laughs> but, uh, definitely uh, appreciate you listening, and we're gonna go around the room and let him let you know where you can find us. Uh, Big sexy, where can they find you at? Uh, Twitter, Big Sexy and Sack. Facebook under Mark Wiggins. All right. Q-Storm. Well, despite some of the more lesser-known people on this podcast, my blog site is up and running. And it's QStorm.com. Wow. See, see, fuck you. Okay, there you go again. I wasn't talking about you. Oh. 
I resent it. Never mind. No, I resent it. Okay, hold on. Didn't I say that that was what he was going for your about? <laughs> yep, yep. Keep, keep it going. Keep it going. Uh-oh, there's that boot again. Yep. Okay. <laughs> I'm the dude at the at the Showtime at the Apollo, the clown. Come on, man. <laughs> Sam, man. <laughs> uh, Qstorm.com forward slash lightning strike. Uh, Facebook, uh, Michael Jones. Uh, Twitter at Qstorm6. Uh, and Pinterest, uh, Pinterest.com forward slash QSMG. All right. Ampu. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Ampu. Check the followers. That's all I got to say, and I'm out. Peace. Sean In Hill. the Middle East. Sean Hill. All right. What? And- Sounds cre- very creepy, but Sean Hill, go ahead. All right. And you can find me on a very active blog that updates That's every right. week. Right. Hillstreetviews.blogspot.com. Hillstreetviews.blogspot.com. You can find me on Facebook, Sean Hill, Real Movie Talk, and also Twitter at Hillstreetviews. All right. And you can find us at Podcast Juice on uh, podcastjuice.net also twitter at podcastjuice we'll see you next time the prince podcast peace